Our text this morning finds us in that part of the book of Genesis that deals with the story of a man by the name of Joseph. Joseph's story actually covers the last 14 chapters of this great book. In the previous chapters, uh, we, have find, we have found that a wonderful reunion has taken place between Joseph and his father and his family. You see, Joseph has been thought to be dead, as of our text this morning, for over 20 years. Ever since that day that those boys, his brothers, brought back that blood-stained, blood-soaked co coat... Uh, that was torn in the shreds, his daddy, Jacob, Joseph's daddy, Jacob, has thought that Joseph, his son, was dead, torn and devoured by some evil beast of the field, perhaps a bear, maybe some kind of a lion. He thought his son had been devoured by that kind of a beast. And, of course, he no doubt felt a lot of guilt for that because he's the one that sent Joseph out on that mission that day. He wanted to know how his brothers was doing, so he said, Joseph, go check on your brother. And um, no doubt Jacob has faced a lot of guilt for all those years because he thought Joseph had been devoured by some beast on a mission that he sent him on. What we know that Jacob didn't know was his brothers, because of their envy and hatred and jealousy for Joseph, actually didn't kill Joseph. They sold him into slavery and he would eventually wind up down in the land of Egypt. But then through an amazing turn of events, God has worked it so that Joseph unbeknownst to his family back in the land of Canaan has now become the second in command in all the land of Egypt. He is the second most powerful person in the world. Then, of course, because of a famine and nothing to eat, Jacob's other sons have been forced to go down into the land of Egypt uh, for some corn to keep them from starving to death. Meanwhile, while they're down there, they encounter Joseph. Now, they don't recognize Joseph, but Joseph certainly recognizes them. On a second trip down to the land of Egypt, Joseph then reveals himself unto his brothers, and plans are set in motion to get his daddy, Jacob, and the entire family down into the land of Egypt. Now, for 20 years, jo Jacob has believed, <coughs> excuse me, that Joseph is dead. 20 years. No telling how many times he uh, reached back into the closet and pulled out that coat and wept tears because he thought his boy was dead. But finally in Genesis chapter 46 and verse number 29 after all those years Joseph and Jacob are reunited. Look back into chapter 46 and look at verse number 29. The Bible said and, jo and Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to meet Israel his father to Goshen and presented himself unto him and he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. You talk about a tear, wipe, a tear wiping, a neck hugging, a nose blowing kind of a reunion. That must have been the kind of reunion that took place when daddy Jacob put his arms around that boy that he thought had been dead for over 20 years. <coughs> By the way, that's all that is. It's just a picture of another reunion that's about to take place. You see, ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus comes back, we're going to meet our loved ones on the other side and forever be in the presence of our Savior forever and ever. You talk about a tear-wiping, nose-blowing, neck-hugging time. It is going to be a wonderful time when we see our loved ones once again. Well, that brings us now to Genesis chapter 47. You know, one of the things 
that you can't miss about the story of Joseph is how the story of Joseph has many similarities to the story of Jesus. In fact, too many similarities to be completely coincidental. I don't think it's accidental that Joseph's story mimics and mirrors the story of the Lord Jesus. I think actually what God did, uh, you know the whole Bible is about Jesus. Can I have an amen? You say, well, Jesus wasn't even alive in the Old Testament. He was more alive than you and I will ever uh, can imagine. But God chose to write the story of his son through the lives of other people in the Bible. Uh, the whole Bible is about Jesus. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and all the other books of the Bible is about Jesus. And one of the ways that God tells the story of his son, Jesus, <coughs> is in the story of the lives of other people. And one of the most perfect types of Christ in our Bible is this man by the name of Joseph. And in the story of Joseph, we find the story of our Savior. Now, what happened back in chapter 26? The reunion is now over. Jacob and all the other brothers, along with their families, are now down in the land of Egypt. It's now time to get on with life in the land of Egypt. you got to know it's kind of hard for them brothers and their daddy to adjust to living in the land of Egypt. I mean, their ways are different from the ways of Jacob and his family. Their customs are different than Jacob and his family. They were just strangers and pilgrims in a foreign land. You know, that's what the Bible says about us. We're just strangers and pilgrims in a foreign land. That's the reason, <coughs> that's the reason in 1 Peter chapter number 2 and verse number 11, we read these words right here. We read that we are pilgrims and strangers. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as pilgrims and strangers and pilgrims that we abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. You know what I can honestly say? They were, they were strangers in the land of Egypt just as you and I are strangers and pilgrims in this old world. They were a bunch of nobodies in a strange land. Their customs and their habits and their lifestyles were different from everyone else around them. Maybe I could say it like this. Yes, These, this family in the land of Egypt was kind of like trying to put a round peg in a square hole. I mean, there was much going against them there in the land of Egypt. They must have encountered a lot of strange looks from the Egyptians. The gossip and the rumors about this new family must have been rampant in the land of Egypt. And yet with all that was against them they had one thing going for them and the one thing that was going for them that outweighed everything that was going against them was the fact that they were in the family of Joseph. Aren't you glad today that you are in the family of Jesus? So this morning, I want to preach a little bit along these lines. I want to preach about Joseph just like Jesus. Aren't you glad to be a member of the family of the Lord Jesus this morning? Again, our customs and our manners and our lifestyles should be different from the customs, manners, and the lifestyles of the people around us. No doubt we get some strange looks. No doubt there is some gossip and some rumors because we're different than other people. And yet the main difference is we are in the family of, jo a family of our heavenly Joseph, the 
oh Lord, <coughs> I'm so sorry. I was not, I'm trying. Y'all drove me to drinking again. I've given up drinking years ago. And I tell you, I promised I'd never drink in the pulpit. But y'all just drove me to drinking again. So can I take a drink of water right quick? <laughs> All right. <coughs> Are we ready now? I guess the question is, am I ready? You're ready. Am I ready? We'll find out in just a moment. Being in the family of Joseph, you could do things. You could go places. You could possess things that the ordinary people in the land of Egypt just couldn't do. In fact, our text this morning in Genesis chapter 47 reminds us of some things that because you and I are in the family of our heavenly Joseph, the family of the Lord Jesus, that we have access that this world knows not of. We have privileges. We are able to do certain things the world just cannot do. And so this morning, if you'll look at Genesis 47, I want to just kind of point out some things that because of our heavenly Joseph, you and I have the privilege to do because of our relationship to him. Now let's begin in chapter 47 and verse number 1. Here's what the Bible said. Then Joseph came and told Pharaoh and said, My father and my brethren and their flocks and their herds and all that they have, thank you so much. Praise the Lord. I have got to quit smoking. I am going to give up smoking one of these days. Sure as a world. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Can I take my coat off? Would y'all mind if I took... I'm hot. Are y'all hot? <clears throat> Thank you, Brother Mark. Thank you so much. I try not to flex and bust out of my shirt. <clears throat> my wife told me the other night, I stand in front of the mirror. My wife said, your muscles look remind me of mosquito bites. <clears throat> and so I'll try to take it easy on y'all. <clears throat> All right, let's try this again. Look at verse 1. Then Joseph came and told Pharaoh and said... My father and my brethren and their flocks and their herds and all that they have are come out of the land of Canaan and behold, they are in the land of Goshen. And he took, Joseph took some of his brothers, even five of them, and presented them unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto his brethren, What is your occupation? And they said unto Pharaoh, Thy servants are shepherds, both we and also our fathers. They said moreover unto Pharaoh, For to sojourn in the land are we come. For thy servants have no pasture for their flocks. For the famine is sore in the land of Canaan. Now therefore we pray thee, let thy servants dwell in the land of Goshen. And Pharaoh spake unto Joseph, saying, Thy father and thy brethren are come unto thee. The land of Egypt is before thee. In the best of the land make thy father and brethren to dwell in the land of Goshen. Let them dwell. And if thou knowest any men of activity among them, then make them rulers over my cattle. And Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and set him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Jacob, How old art thou? And Jacob said unto Pharaoh, The days of the years of my pilgrimage are a hundred and thirty years. Few and evil have the days of the years of my life been, and have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. And Joseph blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh. And Joseph placed his father and his brethren and gave them in a, uh, gave them a possession 
in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph nourished his father and his brethren and all his father's household with bread according to their families. Now, wait a minute. Sure sounds like to me they're doing pretty good in the land of Egypt. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because they are in the family of Joseph. I am glad this morning to be kin to our heavenly Joseph. Let me point out this morning three things that you and I possess as being in the family of Joseph that we have that others that are outside the family know not of. First of all, let me say number one, that because of our heavenly Joseph, we can come to the throne. We can come to the throne. Now, as chapter 47 opens, we have Jacob and five of his brothers standing in the presence of Pharaoh, the Pharaoh of Egypt. Here they are. Get the picture now. Just a bunch of peasants and peons, and they are standing before the most powerful, most influential, the supreme ruler of the entire world. And the only reason these peons and pre uh, peasants are standing there is because they are in the family of Joseph. And by the way, the only reason we can stand before God is because we are in the family of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, did you notice there in verse number one, before they ever spoke to Pharaoh, Joseph spoke on their behalf. Look at verse number one. Then Joseph came and told Pharaoh and said... In other words, what he's doing is he is introducing his family to Pharaoh. There is a word of introduction. Every time I go to God, I'm glad I got somebody at the right hand of God who introduces me, not that, he, not that I have to be introduced, but I'm glad that because I'm in the family of the Lord Jesus, I have one who introduces me, who before I ever speak to the Father, he speaks on my behalf, and so do you. There's a word of introduction. But there's also a word, a word of identification. Look again at verse number one. Uh, verse number one. Did you notice how Joseph identifies with his family? He says this: "My father and my brethren and their herds and all that they have come out of the land of Canaan, and behold, they are in the land of Goshen." So, in essence, watch this now. Joseph is acting as the go-between between his family. And Pharaoh. Or could I use a Bible word? He is acting as a mediator. He is acting as an intercessor between Pharaoh and his family. You say, preacher, all that's good and fine. But what's that got to do with us? Well, can we put our New Testament glasses on for just a moment? And can I remind you of a good verse of Scripture that goes something like this? Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You know what that reminds us as God's people because we have a mediator because we have an intercessor thank God you and I have a standing invitation to bow before the God of glory to bow before the God of heaven. By the way lost people don't have that invitation lost people are shut out but because of Jesus you and I have the privilege of being able to come before the Father. He introduces us. He identifies 
identifies with us by calling us his very own. And because of Jesus, you and I can come to the throne of God. Hey, we can gain an audience with Almighty God. Now, that wasn't always the case. God has not always been approachable. There was a time, there was a time in the Old Testament, it almost seemed like God wanted mankind to stay away from him. You may remember that Old Testament tabernacle. God said, there will I meet with you. But then the sad thing about it was God put a fence around that thing. You know why? God just didn't want anybody coming into his presence. As far as the average Jew is concerned, the farthest you could go into that tabernacle, the farthest you could go was at the gate at the brazen altar. That's, that's, uh, that's all you could do. That's as close as you could ever get to God was there at the gate. The priest then would take the sacrifice after stopping at the laver, and then he would walk inside. He would go into the holy place, and there was the table of showbread, and there was the altar of incense, and there was the candlestick. But there hung a veil about as thick as a man's hand between the holy place and the holiest of all. That veil separated man from God. That veil said, stay out. That veil said, no trespassing. Only the high priest and that once a year could go back in to the very presence of God. But ladies and gentlemen, our heavenly Joseph, the Lord Jesus, oh, <coughs> I'm sorry, on, <coughs> on the cross of Calvary, <coughs> He changed all that when he died for us on Calvary. The Bible said that when he cried, it is finished in the, in the temple that day. The veil was rent from the top to the bottom. And now God says to you and me, you don't have to stay away. You can come on in. In fact, I invite you to come in. You have an invitation. No matter how late the hour, no matter what day of the week or the month of the year it may be, it doesn't matter. You can come to me. You know why? Because we have a heavenly Joseph who intercedes on our behalf. I couldn't meet with the president. Not, if, not that I wanted to anyway. I couldn't get in to see the president. By the way, let me do this. I found his number this week. Now, if you're going to write and cuss at him, tell him you're a member of some other church. Don't tell him you come to Woodland. That, if you look on the White House website, that, that contact the president. That's the number right there. I'm serious, man. Call that number. You ain't going to talk to him. You might talk to somebody else, have to leave a message. He ain't going to call you back. No way. But that is the number to reach the president of the United States of America. I can't get in to see the president. I can't even get in to see the, mayor, the, 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 the governor of our state. Not that I would want to. I can't even see the mayor of our city. But the truth of the matter is I get on my knees. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I can go right past the White House, right into the very presence of God. And guess what? You can too. You know why? Because of our heavenly Joseph, we can come to the throne. The world don't have that right. The world don't have that access. Only those who are members of the family. Are you a member of the family this morning? come to the throne. Watch this, number two. Not only do we have the blessed privilege of coming to the throne, we have the blessed privilege of communicating with the throne. You see, that Joseph not only got them to the throne, Joseph got them before Pharaoh. I mean, you stop thinking about it, into the presence of the most powerful man on the earth at that time. And according to verse number two, Joseph, if you look at verse two, he took five of his brethren. You say, preach, why didn't he take all the other 11? I don't know, but I do know this. Five's the number of grace. And the only way that they were there is because of the grace of Joseph. 
And the only way you and I can go before God is because of the grace of our Savior. And then if you'll look there at verse number 5, verse 3, Pharaoh asked Jacob a question. I'm sorry, verse number 8. He asked Jacob a question. And he says this, how old are you? Now here's the chance, verse number 9. Here's the chance for Jacob to start telling him about his entire life. All the promises, the great nation that he's going to become. I mean, he's got the chance to really lay it on thick right here. And you know what Jacob does. He says in verse number 9, he says, well, I'm 130 years old. And I got to tell you, I've had a rough life. You see, he didn't come into the presence of Pharaoh talking about all the things that he's done. He don't come into the presence of Pharaoh uh, talking about all of his accomplishments. He doesn't mention anything about a nation. He simply says to himself, I'm an old man. It's been a fast life. And I've had a lot of problems. And can I tell you something? Can I give you some good advice? They sang it a moment ago. Just go with God. That's good advice. But let me say this. When you come into God's pre into the presence of God, hey, don't, don't start taunting your accomplishments and, and all that you've done in life, what you have done or what you haven't done. Hey, can I tell you something? We come into the presence of God. We're a bunch of nobodies. Can I have an amen? I mean, just the fact that we can gain an audience with God. In fact, the only people who can gain an audience with God is people who realize they have no right to gain an audience of God. We come in not on the merits of what we've done. It's not who we are, what we have done, what we haven't done, what we've accomplished. If we go before God, we'll be rejected. But buddy, when we come in the merits of the shed blood of the Son of God and the cross of Calvary, we're not talking about what we've done. We start talking about what He's done and we come in the name of Jesus. I'm here to tell you, we gain an audience with Almighty God on the merits of the shed blood of his own son. Yes, sir. By the way, if you'll look again there about verse number five, three and four, they asked Pharaoh for something. Look at verse number three. Pharaoh said, what's your occupation? Oh, we said, we're shepherds. Verse number four, they said more of Pharaoh, for to sojourn in the land are we come, for thy servants have no pasture. Now we pray thee, let thy servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Let me tell you something, Goshen was the most prized the most prized possession, the most prized country in the land of Egypt. They said, Pharaoh, we'd like to ask you for something. We'd like to ask you for the best that Egypt's got. We want to dwell in the land of Goshen. Well, look at verse number six. Pharaoh says this, the land of Egypt is before thee and the best of all the land. Make thy father and thy brother dwell in the land of Goshen. Let them, you know why they got it? I don't think they got it because of who they were. I think they got it because they were in the family of Joseph. <clears throat> I think the reason that Pharaoh answered their petition was not for their sake, but for Joseph's sake. Joseph had been good to the land of Egypt. And ladies and gentlemen, when God answers our prayer, it's not for our sake. It's on the basis of the sake of God's own Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how and the only way that you and I can get our prayers answered. And by the way, if you look back up in verse number 6, there in verse 6, he says, hey, if anybody needs a job, I got a job for you as well. I'm telling you, he's throwing in stuff he don't even have to throw in. You know why? For Joseph's sake. God is good to us, folks. Hey, I'm telling you, God gives us stuff we don't even ask for. God just throws it in. The Bible said he daily loadeth us with benefits. I'm just here to say God's good. And the only way we can come to the throne or communicate with the throne is because we're in the family of our heavenly Joseph.
The world don't have that privilege. Watch this and we're done. We come to the throne. We communicate with the throne. But last of all, watch this. We can count on the throne. Because we're in the family of our heavenly Joseph. Now think with me about these boys. I'm wrapping this up. We've got to go. Think with me about these boys, Jacob and these boys. They've come to the land of Egypt. And watch this. Now all they got basically is the clothes on their back. I mean, man, they ain't got, I, I, I think probably when they left the land of Canaan going to the land of Egypt, they probably looked like the Clampets. I mean, they're set a rocking chair on top and maybe a shotgun or two on the side. I mean, they, they came in the land of Egypt. They came with not much more than the clothes on their back. They are homeless and they're destitute. But I want you to look at verse number 12. The Bible said in verse number 12, And Joseph nourished his father and his brethren, and all his father's household with bread according to their family. Now, i got to tell you something. It's bad. Things are bad. Remember the seven years of great plenty have now been replaced by the seven years of great famine. And if you want to see how bad it is in the land of Egypt, look at verse 13. The Bible said there was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very sore. So the land of Egypt and all the land of Canaan fainted by reason of the family, and yet, as bad as times were, as dry as it was, with so little to eat, livestock, wells going dry, livestock dying. But there in the land of Goshen, their, uh, Joseph's family was taken care of. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because they were a member of the family of Joseph. Listen, uh, listen. Being in, God, being in Joseph's family not only brought them into Pharaoh's presence, it brought them into Pharaoh's provisions. I mean, everything that Pharaoh had was at their disposal because they were kin to Joseph. Aren't you glad to be kin to Jesus this morning? I'm glad to be in his family. You know, we're living in desperate times. We really are. You watch the news. It's unbelievable. Did you see that this morning, the man down in Florida that was playing golf? Did you see that? Did you read about it? True story. I couldn't believe it when I read this. He was playing golf in Florida. 76 years old. He's playing golf. Well, when he got done playing golf, he, was, he was, had his clubs in his hand, whatever. He's going back to his car. And there was an 87-year-old man there that had accidentally backed into the car. And uh, the 76-year-old man cussed the 87-year-old man for backing into his car and then drew his fist back and hit, punched the 87-year-old man who fell back, hit his head and died, has just died recently from brain bleed from a punch of a 76-year-old man. And then come to find out, true story, that wasn't even his car. He was mistaken. The guy didn't even back into his car. Can I tell you something? We're living in, a, in a, a, a ferocious day, a furious day. People have no patience anymore. I mean, man, people are hateful. There's, uh, there's so much going on in our world. You listen to the news at night, the pundits uh, uh, and, the, and, the, and the news. The outlook is so very bleak. Our country is divided. Not since this has been divided, since the days of the Civil War. Man, we got a crowd that seems bent on destroying and removing any resemblance of the name of God or the Bible from anything to do with our country whatsoever. But I'm glad I can tell you, over here in the land of Goshen, everything's all right. You know why? As bad as it may be, as tough, and by the way, and it ain't going to get no better. You say, well, I want Trump back. Well, I do too, but it ain't going to get no better. If the Bible be true and it is, evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse. It ain't going to get no, excuse my English, it ain't going to get no better. 
But over here in Goshen, everything's all right. Hey, we got something to eat over here. Things are not as bad over here. You know why? Because we have a heavenly Joseph that's going to see to it that we are taken care of regardless of how bad it gets. Amen. I got something better than a Republican in the White House. I got a Savior on the throne, friend. And that's better to me than anything that any man can do in this walk of life. I'm just here to tell you, because of Joseph, we can come to the throne, communicate with the throne, and thank God count on the throne because we got a Savior who's sitting there today at the right hand of God. Let me just, let me just encourage your heart this morning. No matter what happens, no matter what goes wrong today, no matter what happens, there are five things that you and I can count on. Here they are. I'm going to count them in order. Five, four, three, two, one. Number five, the tomb will still be empty. Number four, God will still save anybody that will come to him through Jesus. Number three, the Bible will still be true. Number two, God will still be with us. And number one, regardless of what happens, God's still going to be on the throne. Sounds pretty good over here in the land of Goshen, don't it? I know it's bad, but thank God we got a heavenly Joseph that's going to look after us, going to take care of us, and everything is going to be all right. Now, my question, and I'm done, are you in the family? You see, if you're not kin to him, if you're not kin to Joseph, let me say it like this. Let me put it where you understand it. If you're not in the family of the Lord Jesus, friends, you're on your own. You're in a mess. You need to come to Jesus today and be saved. I said a moment ago, if there's been no change, that's very little. Uh, that's pretty good evidence you've never been saved. If there's never been a change, if you still crave the same old things, if you find yourself going back to the same old sin over and over and over again, that's pretty good evidence you've never, you've never come to Jesus. You say, well, I joined the church years ago. Wonderful, but joining the church don't save you. You say, preacher, I got baptized when I was seven years old. Wonderful, but that don't save you. The only way to be saved, the only way to have blessed assurance is to be in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, to know God the Father through His Son, Jesus. Are you in the family? That's all that matters. Let's bow our heads for prayer.